You know, whenever I first moved to Texas back in 2003, um, you know, I'd watch TV and uh, there was this, a frequent commercial advertisement that would come on that I had in multiple different businesses I had never seen before in my life, okay? Growing up in West Virginia, whenever you build a house, okay, literally every house, and you can ask my wife, is built on the side of a hill and there's no like arrangement to anything. It's just kind of wherever there's a spot, you put it on. And really the biggest issue you would have to worry about when it comes to building a house is because it was dirt and you had a rock foundation. Usually it's very close underneath. But the only thing you had to worry about is if there's a really hard rain or a flood or something. And basically if the mountain moves, so does your house. There's nothing you can do about it, right? It's not a crack, but it's the whole movement of everything. And, uh, but here in Texas, especially out here in East, da- East of Dallas, uh, on top of the, the hard clay, all right, there's an issue that often you, we, we see about. What is it? What, what's a problem that every house around here has? Foundation repair, right? I had never seen a foundation repair commercial until I moved here. It wasn't a thing. I was like, what is this fascinating thing I keep seeing these commercials about? And around here, the question is not a matter of if it's going to happen, but what? When, right? I mean, it's really, it's a matter of when it's going to happen. You need to have your foundation repaired. Well, here in Texas, foundation repair is a big business. There's lots and lots of you know, places that offer them up, right? Lots of choices. It, but if you try to come to West Virginia and build a foundation repair business, uh, your family's probably going to starve. Okay, because there just isn't a business for it. There may have been, but I, I didn't know. Maybe they were just those businesses people know. However, maybe if you, you, know, you want to run an insurance business on total house loss, well, you could possibly make money on that. Why? Why is that the case? Why is it that you could do it? Well, because it depends on what the house is built upon, right? The foundation's key. And it's important to know what you're getting into before you build a house on any foundation. It's important to know what you've got in front of you, right? Well, in our passage today, I think Jesus speaks to a foundation upon which, you know, not our houses, but something, you know, our very lives are are built upon. And it's an important question. And what we choose to build upon will make all of the difference in what's going to happen when the drought comes When the floods come, when the storms hit, right, and the winds battle and the things of life find their way into our lives and they batter us and hit us. And so what I want to do today, I want to take a look at these items and what we're going to do, we're going to break up into some small groups too uh, for a little bit and discuss these and we'll come back together. And I just want to kind of talk about what are, what are some of these coming off of this sermon on the plane that we started with last week and how it is we are to live our lives in light of Christ. What are some things that we can take and begin to put these into practice and what our life can look like built on the proper foundation. And so what Jesus is going to do in this section, he gives us four different word pictures, which he intends for us to remember. And each one is a, uh, is a warning first, I believe, about rival teachings or rival visions of the kingdom, and he's going to teach us about solutions which that, that are given often, which unfortunately just leave the depth of the problem untouched. They build on something and never touch the true foundation of what's going on. And, you know, I think these are certainly applied to teach, teachings that Jesus had in his day, the people that he was up against, the people that he was speaking against. But really, I think they also deal with the theories today of what humanity itself should look like. And so we're going to look at those four pictures. 
warnings about rival teachings or visions of the kingdom about solutions that they have that, untouch, that do not touch the heart, but what truly can make a difference. The first of these is this, and he reads in, in verses 39, excuse me, 39 through 42. And it's this idea about the blind leading the blind, right? Jesus had encountered lots of opposition already in his teachings, right? People were coming against him, and he begins with a warning about these other oppositions in their teachings, which they look as though if they offer guidance, they tell you a way to go, but the reality is, is just like a blind person, all they're going to do is just lead you into a ditch. If you follow after them as they fall into the ditch that's sitting in front of them because they cannot see it, you too, if you follow after them, are going to fall in the same place. And I think the call of the student right after, too, that where he talks about, he says that a student is not greater than their, their teacher. A disciple is not greater than a teacher. The call of a teacher and students to let, their, to let you to know that there's a reason there's no, sorry, excuse me, there's no reason to follow after the Pharisees. Why? Because if you follow, Jesus is saying, if you follow after them, you may think that you can listen to them. You may think that you can overcome their shortcomings. But the reality is, is if you follow after their way, you will look no different than they do. Why? Because the disciple is never greater than their teacher. But everyone, when they're fully trained, will be like them. So he's setting out a warning first that they are leading themselves into a ditch. And if you follow after them, you have a similar place of their, your destination. Because all you'll ever get in the end is to be just like them. You won't be any better. It's what Jesus is wanting to do at the end of this sermon. He wants to break from the mold, I believe, of what they've offered and to follow his new way of living that he's come here for. I, you, you hear me say this week after week after week, this new thing that Jesus is bringing. Jesus is not bringing necessarily something brand new that's never been understood before, but it's this idea that God had given his word and given his understanding through the law and the prophets for years to all of these, these authors through Moses and the other prophets to live a certain way. But the problem was is that God had not changed, right? His word had not changed. He is still the same God to that, this day, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus is walking this earth, that he was before. The problem is, is not that he had changed, but those who were leading and those who were calling others to follow after this God had changed and their understanding of what his word meant had changed just as it does 2,000 years later and then from Jesus' day. And so he's offering not a brand new way of life, but a new understanding of this is how God is. And I'm here to show you the fuller way. He's laid, God has laid the foundation through the law and the prophets, but now Jesus is going to build upon that in a greater way to understand. But the second thing he says, after not only that the blind leading the blind, but second is that he talks about the log in your own eye, Right? Like the previous thing with the blind, the question here is not can you follow somebody, but can you lead? Can you clearly see well enough in order to lead, let alone criticize someone else? Are you able to lead a life in following that somebody else would want to follow? Because I think here's the reality. And I, I will tell you, anybody that I think that has a kid that's just like them will be able to tell you that this is true. I think the reality is what we criticize in others is frequently, though not often, not always, sorry, 
The thing we criticize in others is what we subconsciously are aware of, or I would even say afraid of, in ourselves. It's called projection, right? The psychological term is called projection. We know we have a problem. I know I have something in myself that doesn't go right. And I have this own problem in this log in my own eye. But what do we try to do? We try to avoid that problem by doing what? By telling somebody else that there's a tiny little problem in theirs. Anybody have a kid that's just like you? And they are a mirror put up to your face of all the time. And the reason why they're so difficult, it's not really overly that they're necessarily difficult. It's because they're exactly like you. And you go, oh, I wish I didn't, you know, I wish I didn't see that because it's just telling me how about myself. I have one of those. He's redheaded. So I also get that too, the redhead. That drives me nuts because he's just like me. But see, Israel's leaders were just as guilty of this as we are as parents a lot of times with our kids. What had they done? They had fine-tuned the law down. They had whittled it down all to its smallest little pieces to the smallest little detail. Yet, what had they done? They had missed the entire point of what it was about. See, what they did was they tried to make Israel and the people around them, the Pharisees and the leaders of the scribes and the leaders of the law, to make Israel holier and holier by doing what? Separating them further and further and further from others to make it so minute that they might be unlike anybody else. But the point of the law was not to separate, but the point of the law and the prophets was to do what? To make them a light to the nations. And they had become very good speck hunters. Specks in other people's eyes, but they couldn't see the huge disobedience beam in their own. And Jesus is using hyperbole here. I mean, really, to have a beam sticking out of your eye. But the reality is, is that's exactly what we do is we neglect and forget to see the thing that's sitting right in front of me and I want to either project or I want to find somebody else with the same problem and I want to point it out in your eye. I want to find it in you and I'm going to make sure that you know that you have a problem. I'm either going to hide mine or I'm just going to actually not even acknowledge it. And here's the reality. Here, here's the thing, though. Notice, removing specks is not a, and in my brother's eye is not a bad thing, is it? Am I ever commanded by Jesus to not remove the speck from my brother's eye? No. It's a good thing. We need each other to see the specks that we can't see, right? Have you ever had that? You get that eyelash in or something in your eye, and there, you look, and it's like nothing. I can feel it. But then you get your wife or your husband to take a look at it for you to be able to get that out of there. There's a good time for that but not when it's at the expense of removing the beam from my eye first. Third, he talks about good fruit versus bad fruit. I think the point of this and the point of being a Jew or of being God's called Israel into every individual after this is to produce those who are truly what humanity should be. Jesus' words and his ideas of walking and living this life is to produce true humans just like he was. I think this is the point of the trees and the fruit. If we merely push just moral reformation, get that, if we merely push moral reformation, you leave the heart untouched. 
And we are no more useful than just merely tying grapes to a briar bush. Because the reality is, is only only type of tree that good fruit can come from is what? A good tree. The only type of rotten fruit, well, interestingly, will only come from a what? A rotten tree, a bad tree. Can a rotten tree, an unhealthy tree, produce good fruit? No. If it's sick, but here's the, here's the crazy one. I can get that. I can think about in my life of thinking, okay, if it's a rotten person or rotten, your heart's rotten, of course you're not going to produce any good fruit. But interestingly, a good tree will what? Only produce good fruit. Look what Jesus says there. Right? Each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns and grapes are not picked from brambles. The good person out of the good treasury of his heart produces Good. And the evil person out of the treasury produces evil. Jesus invites each of us into this entirely new way of life. One, I believe that's different, and it now requires an entire heart change, a change deep down even into our personality. It does not come with merely taping fruit onto what we're already about or merely just seeing something out there. It's more than just a moral thing. You can go, and here's the thing, you can go to the market today, you can go out in the world today and find many alternatives to Jesus' invitation. But just as in his time, none of them will ever touch the real problem. None of them ever get down into the true foundation of what it's built upon. You and I, we are not in need of moral reform. We are not in need of political reform, Christians. We are not in need of societal reform as our problem. What we are in need of is what? We are in need of a transform. We are in need of what Romans 12 says, a metamorpho. We get the word metamorphosis, a transforming by the renewing of our minds, a changing over from one thing to something new in who we are at the very core of ourselves, at the very roots of the tree, which produces one fruit or another. It's not about these external things that will then transform inwardly, but it's about the inward that's going to transform out. What does he say? For from their mouth speaks what fills the heart. Whatever is going to come out of you is only going to come out what's in there in the first place. So what's going to come out of me, that moral reform, that social reform, that political reform is only going to come when it starts deep in here. I'm going to pause there for a second. I want us to break up. You, you should have some, some, you know, some questions. If not, I'll bring them around. I want to take this idea. I want to stop for a second. I want to pause. I want us to look together to kind of talk through some of these things and see where is it we can begin to see about ourselves and about our community and how we can grow in some of these things. And we'll bring it back together. I want to hear some ideas from you. But you know, it's interesting. In, in going in here, like Jesus ends this sermon with an illustration, right? This stern warning going all the way back to where we began, right? He takes us back to our opening and this idea, what is the difference? He talks about two different people, right? Matthew says, calls it a wise person and a foolish person. Luke just says two people. What's the difference? They, how about this? What's the similarity in the two people? They, okay, they are both building a house and they both what? They, okay, then what they go through, but what, what's, what is in something in action or something that they do that's similar? They both heard. They both listen, right? They both listen and they hear what Jesus 
said, but what is the vast difference between the two people? And what is it that leads to whether or not they're built on the right foundation or not? How are they reacting? Are they listening? Look, but the one, verse 48, he's like a man who builds a house who dug down deep. Well, who is? He is like a man building a house. What? Uh, everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and puts them into practice. But the other man, the person who hears them and does not put my words into practice. What's the vast difference is what you do with the words that Jesus says. You cannot merely hear his words and think that your foundation is going to stand. Because here's the reality. The floods are going to come, okay? I don't care who you are. Floods are going to hit you. Things are, drought will hit. The, the ground will crack and dry as much as you try to water it. In the Texas sun, the ground and the clay is still going to crack, Right? And it's going to be clearly apparent what kind of building you're living in when those things come. Listening to Jesus in his true wisdom and not putting it into practice is like building without any foundation at all. Just piling up some dirt and building your house on it. And as soon as that rain comes, it's just going to move. It's going to shift. And just like in West Virginia, it's going to slip off the entire side of the hill. And great will be it's end. You know, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think Jesus actually, as a little side note, I believe he's talking to the, the leaders of the time and what they are building their, their hope in, their foundation in, they're building it simply in a temple. I think he is also speaking to the temple that they're finding it into that system, but they're doing it in a wrong way because there's going to be a time he's going to say later in Luke that the temple is under God's judgment. Why? Because the leaders didn't heed Jesus' call to obedience. And what's going to happen to that temple in 70 AD? It's going to be destroyed. But I do believe this message applies to us even today. And I think the questions that we need to ask, we need to be asking as believers are this, is that are we so keen on looking for specks in others' eyes that we can't see the beam in our own? Are we so good at finding it in somebody else that I can't even see it in my own? Or do our plans and our schemes look good on the outside, how we live, what we do, the things we do, yet our hearts are untouched? Are we building without any true foundation? And I think as we ask these questions about ourselves, all the while, as Jesus is telling us to watch out for those who would lead us into traps, we must maintain the generous free-spirited nature and approach to the life Jesus calls us to earlier in these parts of this sermon. See, Jesus' offer of new and abundant life is so all-embracing, and if it's all-embracing, it's also all-demanding. You cannot live as part and hear the words and say, I approve of these and I don't approve of these. I apply these and I leave these to the side. It's an all-encompassing, all-embracing thing. And I think it's exactly why there are many people trying to find alternative ways to live. 
but I can guarantee you these other ways of life must be resisted. These other ways of how the world will tell you to live, how psychology will tell you to live, how any type of theory is going to tell you to live that is against Jesus' words will come to a fall. Other things come and other things go. For thousands of years, things have come and they have disappeared and they come back into fashion and they disappear again. But the one thing that has never changed and the one thing that never has failed, I believe with every ounce of my being, is that Jesus' words will never fail. So I'll part with this idea in verse 46 where Jesus asks each and every one of us, why do you call me Lord, Lord? There's an intimacy in that double Lord. Not just is he Lord or King, but he is my Lord. He is intimate to me. I know him. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you see that I'm somebody intimate to me, intimate to you, yet you do not do what I say? And I ask, what foundation are you building upon? Every one of us needs to answer this question individually. We are a part of a collective, but, and we help one another to build, but we need to answer this question individually. What foundation are you building upon? Do you merely have the words that Jesus says? Do you merely hear them and you walk away unchanged? Or do you heed them and put them into practice? Difficult though they may be, whether you like them or not, whether they call you to something that may be difficult or not, whether it calls you to love somebody that has been truly terrible to you or not. When you look at Jesus Christ and see the life that he lived, that he gave his life, that you, a sinner, might find it. How can we be any different than the Savior that we call upon as Lord? Is your house built well, or do you need a foundation repair? Let's pray.